I am unashamed. What about you? So we got Zach uh, here with us today for the podcast. Zach, I feel like we're finally kind of back to normal. <laughs> I'm back here. Yeah, was- I'm back. I'm back in the U.S. You're doing your thing. You're being you in North Carolina. Jason, Dad are being them. I'm finally <laughs> there's back. A, the- there's a trap <laughs> that you can fall into. I want to say this: if you keep telling yourself, in a couple weeks, I'm going to be in a position where I can catch my breath, you, you think. <laughs> Well, Missy, I said that the other day, and she said, you've been saying that for 10 years. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, Phil's advice to my mom about losing weight. He said, if you would quit planning for your diet, you might actually lose weight because she would, one more little sliver here, I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. <laughs> Phil said, if you'd, quit, if you'd quit planning for your diet, then you would actually be skinny. The problem is you're, you're, you're planning for it. <laughs> That's exactly right. No, but it was kind of like, and it's 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 funny, Jay, as you said that because it's like me. Somebody said, "Well, do you, you know?" Because I'm I'm here, there, I'm everywhere. I was, I was like, I'm either my life is a vacation, but then I'm always working on my vacation, or I really never take off. So that's kind of the way well, it works. Look, it's like me. Here's what happened. So so I stay here for the weekend because Missy. She she wanted to get Karina moved in because she got a job, and we're really proud. She graduated college. I mean, one of the greatest, I think, just life moments and sign of courage. An orphan girl from a third world country educates herself, has a little mentorship from spiritual people, a spiritual family down there that helped her, and she comes all this way, and so, and we we took her own in our family but uh and we're not saying credit for anything i mean she she's just been yeah. awesome but she moved her in so i had the weekend to myself and i'm and i've i've been busy. i mean god brought her no doubt into your lives and then yeah ergo our lives yeah so and it was real touching they were giving me the play-by-play so i tried to cram as much fun in the weekend as humanly possible which i had to speak at the sportsman thing at willie's on friday we talked about that Friday night. So I planned a little card game at my house. A little, So that lasted till four in the morning. <laughs> so me and Willie and one of our buddies were in a golf tournament. It, it was like a 4th of July golf tournament, which we're not. The guy, our buddy, he's good. Yeah. But Willie and I are not. Not exactly consistent. No, no, we're not consistent. You're right. So we go out there. And uh, so I stayed up at 4 o'clock in the morning, then get up, go play in the golf tournament. <laughs> So here's what's funny. We wind up winning what they call the first flight, which, which means this. There's, there's 36 teams, and they said there'll be four flights. Well, after day one, I look down. Well, we're tied for 10th. So I was like, perfect. Which that you know we didn't. Because all you like, got to get to is number nine. I tell but, Missy like we won. You know we won the tournament. Our flight. What does that mean? It means we got so lucky <laughs> that you that hit we're on number the nine. Tenth best team. <laughs> so then the second day we we shot eight under, which is pretty good. Three man scramble. So the second day we shoot sixty three, which was nine under, and it comes out well. There's a three way tie. Well. Well, we played the tournament. Our buddy said, I'll hang around and see if we won anything. So me and Willie, we left. We're in separate vehicles, but I'm in the grocery store because I'm a bachelor. Yeah. I'm looking for something to eat. Well, I look up in the grocery store. Well, there's Willie. Because <laughs> he's hungry. He's hungry. Because he's Willie. Yeah. And so <laughs> we get Willie. a call from the golf course saying, you're in a three-way tie. And so we're doing a tiebreaker. We're going to have a chip-off on the 18th green. But you're in the grocery store. We're both in the grocery <laughs> Willie's looking at me. I'm looking at him. I was like, we got to call our buddy because he's way better. We're, yeah. I was like, does, does one of us have to go or three? And they're like, just one. So we call him. Well, he's at a red light fix to get on interstate. We're like, turn around. <laughs> drive. He's a much back. better chipper oh, yeah. than both of y'all anyway. Look, long story short, he drives back, chips, chips it to within three feet. <laughs> we win. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow i feel like you know oh i've done something i've won you know we we won oh it was so lucky i only admit that you were the 10th 11th and 12th team and you had a better chipper than the other guy <laughs> we were sitting we were we were seated in our living room willie robertson's mother 
And she has a couple of Would dogs. Would that be Miss Kay? She has a couple of dogs. That's your wife, That's your wife. Your wife. And I'm sitting there in my chair, <laughs> and I, I hear a little racket. And we've been sitting there all day just taking care of the dogs and, and you know, no company. And I look up, and I hear this racket. I see this man standing down at the end of the counter in the kitchen. I said, I literally reached for my AR. Oh, boy. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh-oh, here we go. I, re- I said, who in the world is that? Well, he starts coming toward us, and I'm looking at him. I said, good night. That's Willie. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I you said almost that threw a gun on Willie. his top notch. Everything where these are, all the uh, the top is <laughs> his head. brilliantly blonde. Yeah, he dyed his <laughs> hair oh, blonde. And his whiskers oh, is on his, coming out of his face. It had been shut, cut short, so he has a little black beard. And this blonde hair, and I said, "Good night, Will. Is that you?" <laughs> and he walks up there, you know. He said, "You got any you gas?" And I said, "Do what?" <laughs> he said, "Do you have any gas?" I said, "Well, not on me." I said, "Well, you, <laughs> you run out of gas, you can be because broke." He said, "No, I need something for the boat down there." So I said, uh, "Give me about twenty minutes." So I fill him up with gas, get some gas to back in his truck, and he yeah. drives. He's off. having another midlife. He's heading uh, down the river there. Well, you may make you feel better. There's a guy that comes up to me at church Sunday and starts asking me questions, and I never made eye contact because I, when I'm in a large crowd of people, especially our show just got released, so there's a lot of people coming right. out there. I it, saw you downtown New York, you know. You, oh, yeah. You and Jeff. Right I'm big shotting this guy, you know, whatever. And uh, Willie finally said, Jace. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was having a conversation, and I did not know it was him. I could not identify yeah. my third son. I, I'm looking well, at him. I I didn't know look, I'm neither the prophet nor son of the prophet, but I did at Willie's 50th birthday party – we were roasting him, and I did a roast about all of his hairdos through mm. the years because this isn't the first time. Zach, I had some no. interesting pictures, right? So now he he's done he it did. yet again. He's back on the blonde, blonde hair, and like—is it a good look? Does it look great? No, no, not really. It's—it's <laughs> no. uh, it's, it's bizarre. He, he looks like. Um, I mean, I asked I, him. I said, "Is this a cry for help?" Or <laughs> yeah, it's like an Eminem slash Kanye West love child. I mean, it's a it's bizarre. But I think he did it. To be fair, to be fair, I think the reason why he did it was for Sadie's uh, birthday party, and so they had like a um, uh, what karaoke night, and so everybody kind of came in character, and 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 uh, his character, him and Corey were some kind of rappers or something. And it, yeah, it was, uh, it looks bizarre though. It, it certainly does. Yeah. He did we're a rap ble- job. Dan showed it to me on the computer. He walked by, he said, that's what Will's been doing. I looked down there and he and Corey are singing some kind of rap deal. <laughs> I said, what, what in the world's happening to my family? <laughs> well, I'll say this. When your father reaches for his weapon, when you walk into a room, you may have gone a little far in whatever you were trying to pull off. I just said that's just a, that's a the, general. The dogs observation. didn't bark, and you know, and then I'm standing, and, and I, he's standing down there. I said, "Who in the world's that?" I really didn't know who he was. I've got. I'm I'll tell you what, his, his hair looks like. Um, you remember the time that me and Jeb, when, when we were in college, yep. and we dyed our hair, and it turned out. White. I remember that one of them pink and orange. Or <laughs> the rebel year. Well, you well, Jeff's hair bleached. Well, yeah, we were bleached. Jeff's hair is darker than mine, so his came out orange. Mine came out like white. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget. We were laying in bed that morning on Sunday, and Phil walked in there and he said, "Good night, Kate. Billy Idol is in our house." That was his. <laughs> uh, that was his opening. But that's well, what look, it looks it like. It caused such a stir. So I guess because y'all were still kind of in your prodigal phase. And they yeah. came in. To, they came into West Bay Road. I happened to be preaching uh, then, and but it caused such a stir the way they looked that I felt like I had it, needed to respond. So the next Sunday, I came up with my at the time was my patented top ten list on the top ten things overheard when Jeff and Zach walked into the church last week. I mean, it was such a stir that I had to address yeah. it. I mean, I couldn't let it go. I, first thing I <laughs> thought of when I saw the new new look, I thought. 
sin has creeped into our family. <laughs> we, we've got we've got some, some some measures to go through here. <laughs> but we brought them back on board. But thank goodness, Zach. Thank because we Zach in the last podcast we were addressing a little bit of the movie and you know Dad's trepidation about yeah. just the whole idea. But I thought about this, and I didn't say this in the last podcast. But since you're on here, because I know you 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 preached yesterday as well, I want to hear what you preached about. Is that if any of us, I think, had the worst parts of our life and decision, and for you, Zach, it was a teenager, college age, for me, it was a teenager. If someone came and said, we're going to do a movie about it, it would be it would be very nervous. I mean, I, I would be very nervous, but I would be willing to do it if I felt like it would help people, which is kind of the whole purpose about this with dad. But we talked about that before, but I thought about this era of your lives, same with mine. I would be embarrassed to show that on a big screen, uh, some of the things I did and thought and, you know, were part of my life. But if it shows the power of God, obviously that's kind of the whole point. So, but tell us about what you preached about. Uh, By the way, I want everyone to know that I did not dream this movie thing up. <laughs> it didn't all. come from you. You're off the hook, Phil. Yep. Yep. Phil didn't dream it up. Yeah. I preached on Matthew 13. We're in the book of Matthew. Parable of the So we got in, we got into the, uh, no, to the whole not? kingdom. What is the kingdom? I thought that was a um, parable of the sower in Matthew 13. No? Oh, well, there's a lot it, of stuff in there. That's yeah, the, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. Um, so I, did, I didn't get into the, I mean, I, I started there because we're kind of transitioning into this whole concept of what is the kingdom. Who was your so, audience? Who were you speaking to? This is our church. Oh, yeah. Um, he, here in, in North Carolina. But Got we... Zach's like so all of us. He's a volunteer preacher these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we actually rotate. So we have three, uh, four um, elders, pastors, uh, same thing that rotate teaching, and we we're just going through books of the Bible. But um, yeah, I camped out most of the time in Daniel chapter two, which is uh, um, one of my favorite passages that Phil, you, and all you guys used to teach whenever I was yep. cutting my teeth on the Word. And so well, we the got into prediction. that. Yeah, the coming kingdom. Right. Yeah, and the stat. Yeah. yeah, went through the statues, uh, the statue that, that King Nebuchadnezzar saw, and went through kind of the history of the of of what those kingdoms were. Um, it was uh, the first one was the Babylonian Empire. The second one was the Medo Persians. Uh, then the the, the uh, Greeks, Rome, and then the one that I was honing on is the one that was established in the days of the Roman Empire when the prophecy says in these days. That God will establish a kingdom that can't be shaken nor destroyed. So, I mean, it was very relevant for where we're at today because, you know, we talk, we, we have a whole lot of um, anxiety about our earthly kingdom here in the U.S. But for believers, man, we got to we got to uh, hone in on on the ultimate kingdom we're a part of. Well, so Zach, <clears throat> Zach, it's interesting because I didn't know that you did that, but I just got back from a trip that started in Italy and then wound up in Greece. And so, and obviously, a lot of what we did was seeing historical ruins, and you know, so, sort of like we did with the movie we did on Torchbearer years ago. But it just listening to all these historians and people, we were doing all these walking tours, and it really brought that to light back to me because I was looking at, I was literally walking around listening to history of two of those four kingdoms that yeah. you mentioned. Because I'm, you know, we're on ancient Olympia. You know, which is where the the birthplace of the Olympic Games, which is so long ago. But I'm hearing all this stuff, and I'm and I'm seeing and realizing that all of these great powers were doing it without God. We're doing it with these yeah. you know pantheon of gods, you know that were represented. And all the the Greeks they established it, but the Romans came in. They it was basically the same gods. They just renamed them. But it was yeah. still this idea that we could find something more than the creator and the kingdom. But it was, you're right, right out of Daniel 2, which was written hundreds of years Plus before Mark this ever. Mark chapter 9, he then began to teach them he must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. He must be killed. And after that, these three days will rise again. And he ends it up when he gets into Mark chapter 9. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here, he's talking to his apostles there, will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power, which tells you, oh, it came, yeah. and it came quickly. After well, he said it was near. John the Baptist said it was near. Yep. 
And and to Zach's point, it is bigger than just what we're a part of. I mean, where God the Father is in the heavenly realm, I mean, the kingdom, it, when you think about what God has and yep. is, oh, it's big. Everyone but, but this one has risen and collapsed, including Nebuchadnezzar. And the collapse and collapse and collapse. Now you you've go had back this. before Daniel and the and the Babylonians, way back, all of them kingdoms of various degrees rose and they fall, rose and they fall. But this one, still I like, rocking. Yeah. Hang on, let's uh, let's take our first break. So uh, one of the things, uh, Jason, was kind of funny on my on my trip. We were staying in Crete. And, um, you know, I like to sleep. Lisa likes, she's under the covers. We both like sleep with a lot colder at night. But I'm a little bit of a hot sleeper, so I like just a sheet yeah. over me. Well, they don't provide a sheet. I don't know, is it a European thing? You know, you know, we usually have a sheet and then some covers. Mm. I like just the sheet. Well, they didn't have a sheet. <clears throat> so every day it became this little bit of a thing for me to get a sheet off of the cleaning lady's thing and put it in the bed. But then she would take it every day when she made up the bed. Mm. So we're fighting over sheets. And I couldn't help but think about our great sponsor, Bowl and Branch. Because these sheets were not Bowling Branch. I could tell that right off the bat. And then I couldn't even get one that I wanted. But at home, I have a fantastic sheet set called Bowling Branch. It's a great U.S. company. Uh, They just figured out how to really use quality threads to make great sheets, and they do. Um, they give you a 30-night risk-free trial. You got free shipping and return on all orders. So it's, it's risk-free to be able to try these guys. You're going to love them, trust me. They've got an annual summer event that's starting soon. But Bowl & Branch is giving our listeners an exclusive early access before anyone else to use 20% off promo code ROBERTSON at bowlandbranch.com. So you get a chance to save some money before anybody else. That's the best offer of the year before the holidays. So act now, bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Use the promo code Robertson, 20% off. Well, even when you said that, Zach, I mean, Hebrews 12, we're in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 28 came to mind. Yep. Since we are receiving, are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us mm-hmm. be thankful and so worship God accept it, except, acceptably with reverence and all. Yeah, I can't wait till we get to that text because right before he says that, he describes what that is, what that looks like. And by the way, which takes us <clears throat> to where we've been talking about today, picking up in 414, but it takes us all the way back to the idea that the kingdom of God and the mind of God has been there from the very beginning. I mean, it was revealed to us later in time, but from God's perspective, he's outside of time. He's always known. Mm-hmm. what the kingdom of God was going to be and what it was going to look like. So I think that's why, Zach, we, we left off um, the last podcast, kind of where you guys did before when I wasn't here, is he, he kind of closes out this segment of talking about Moses and the law by saying the word of God is living and active, meaning it's not just an old document or an old covenant or an old idea, but this is always going. Well, you remember the illustration I gave in the last podcast? I was on why people, I I did a top 10 on why people go to church outside of a personal relationship with God. And some of the things that we went through was just, they want their kids, you know, to have a, have a foundation or, or they're older because they realize they're not going to be here very long or they're trying to get a date or they work there. We had, we had different things but the reason i brought that up is because a lot of churches when you look at them they're the opposite of living and active yeah it looks dead and idle and so that was the point i was trying <laughs> to get to but i never, I never did because we That's we were, we chased some rabbits on the left <laughs> which we are prone to do we are yeah. prone to chase a few rabbits i brought so. up something about paying taxes the next thing you know i got over in mark 12 <laughs> now, some guy said in the comments he said they, they're going to the book of hebrews but man they're they're taking a long way to get to it <laughs> i say well, well but but know. in fairness to us the book of hebrews is written to expand the entire history of the hebrew nation into well, the current kingdom. So the kingdom look, there's a God. lot of room for rabbit chases. The kingdom always. of God in the midst of it. I will tell you why that happened, Al. 
because I to finish my weekend story, I was so tired after the night of playing cards and the golf tournament. I sat and the on, chip off that you commissioned. I, and the chip off that I sat down on the couch. At, it was six o'clock p.m. and I remember looking down at the dogs and well, the next thing I know, I my eyes pop popped open because I had fallen asleep and I looked at the clock and it was two thirty in the morning. I hadn't even laid down on the couch. I just sat back. <laughs> well, now I'm up. Yeah, it's up. I, I'm up. So I said, "Well, I'll do some Bible study." Well, these are the kind of thoughts <laughs> that come to your mind from two thirty to six thirty. <laughs> so I jotted down. I was like, "Yeah, I got a few notes on our podcast." Well, it's funny um, that you said that. I had no idea because I've been doing the same thing. So I'm. I think today, finally, I'm over it, but I've in, been in a three-day process of jet lagging because I've been eight hours ahead of y'all, yeah. my body clock, for almost three weeks. And so I get back home. Well, guess what happens? You know, first night you get in and sleep, you lay down and go to sleep. Well, you wake up at four in the morning. Well, it feels like it's noon to your body. And so this has happened to me every night. So like the last two nights, first night it was nine o'clock. I couldn't hold my eyes open. Which I know, Dad, that's about when you go to bed. But for me, that's early. And then the next last night, it's 1030. Now I'm finally back on my regular time. But that yeah. I've been waking up early in the morning doing the same kind of stuff. But the point I was getting at is, you know, to your point about the kingdom, Jesus is our king. And he's the king of kings. And we house him. I, I keep going to that chapter 3, you know, verse 6. Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. I mean, that's a 24-7 reflective thing and i mean we we did the whole study of the book of john and when you think about how god chose to reveal himself to us the word because here it says you know the word of god is living and active well that immediately takes me back to john one you know the the logic of god is a person yeah his name is jesus and you remember the one through three i mean everything that has been Created was created by him, for him. Nothing that has been created was created without him. So when you start thinking about what that means, he's an he's an uncreated divine being. Everything that's ever had a beginning got a beginning from him. Yep. That's and, why, Jay's to, to your point, Hebrews four fourteen, therefore, since we have a great high priest. Watch this, past tense, who has gone, not is going to go. He's already gone through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may be, we Look, receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That, that's, this thing wasn't speaking of the future. This has happened and he has gone back to the right hand of the father for us to bow to him. It's a kingdom and the king is invisible. But that's why I but feel it is powerful. Churches today, one of the reasons I didn't mention that people go to churches is they, they have people represent them. And very depending on what religion you're a part of, they have priests today who say, I'm going to be yep. the go-between. But yep. we're like, well, Jesus is the ultimate go-between He, he oh, because I mean. he represents heaven and earth. The people that are representing us here now, they haven't been to heaven. And and to your point, even even the Protestants, we, we indulge in the same thing. We'd like to throw that on, on the Catholics, but we, we lift up pastors to a degree that probably isn't healthy. And then there, and we, 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 we outsource the priesthood to professional clergy, which is not biblical. Um, and yeah. it's not what we're called to do. But if you look at like this thread here at Hebrews, that's interesting. Um, moving into the passage Phil just read, we, we were just talking about, or, or the Hebrew writer was just writing about that Jesus is superior to Moses. Right. Then he moves. That's in chapter three. Then in yep. chapter four, right before this, he says, Jesus is also superior to Joshua. So you got all these these guys that, that, that everyone looked up to, particularly because of what happened in Egypt. 
and the exodus of God's people out of Egypt and all the things that happened. And, and, and they revered these men and the Hebrew writers like Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than Joshua. And now he's going to the priesthood. He's better than Aaron. And so yeah. you, you see this thing because Aaron was Aaron was was the was the head of the, the priesthood and and the, the tribe of Levi, which we're about to get into. You know, you can't. Uh, here's a little history that you that you you couldn't be a priest unless you could trace your lineage uh, to the tribe of Levi, and they had all these records and uh, where they could. I mean, you could you you would be an illegitimate priest if you could not trace your lineage to to the Levite tribe. And so here we are, like this is written before, when was Hebrews written? Do we know? Uh, it was, it was written before, um, 1870, well, right? Yeah. Somewhere around that era. <clears throat> I mean, most of them have guessed anywhere from 60 to 90. I mean, broad. Oh, yeah, I'm more of a 60 to 70 yeah, guy. Yeah, me too. But it was definitely, it was definitely, there had been enough happen that you had people that were wandering away. I don't think the destruction of Jerusalem had taken place up to this point. Probably not, because he would have probably mentioned it. Let's, uh, let's take a break. So one of our sponsors is a group called BetterHelp. And uh, one of the things I like about BetterHelp is that their attempts are to make people, make your minds better. Because uh, people a lot of times run into mental difficulties. It's like, you know, I just took this trip to Greece. And part of it was just to basically give my brain a rest. You know, I do a lot of work on the podcast. I preach. I do a lot of stuff to help other people. Sometimes your mind just needs a break, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. You need that help. Reboot. Well, one of the things that they offer Better Help does is online therapy. And uh, we're all very big proponents of therapy. It's been a blessing for our own family. You have difficulties because, as Jason said, things happen and things change in relationships. And so sometimes you have to just mentally get back in there and work on it. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you really get to do this how you want to do it. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So it can get you the help you need immediately. For our listeners, you're going to get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Unashamed. That's BetterHelp.com slash Unashamed. Check them out and get your mind stronger. Now, Zach, you got up a great point. I was going to do the same thing. You have to look at this in context because he's making a shift. The passages that dad just read is him now going to bring on this idea about priesthood because he's already established that the mediators better angels, Moses, all prophecy better because he's the fulfillment of prophecy. Now he's talking about being better than their own history. Joshua, the law, all the things are there. But the next step would naturally be the priesthood because think about it from a Jewish mindset, the priesthood was your way to make atonement for not being able yeah. to fulfill and uphold the law. It was the process by which God set forward. So if you're a Jew and you're sitting there thinking, okay, Jesus is better than all these things, but what about the one thing that made me right? Plus all these human priests through Levi, all of them had one problem. Uh, they're sinners too, to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself that the high priest is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer the sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. That's the, that's the downside. So what well, he, bring, he brings up the first flaw in the system is that Jesus yeah. had that conquered. You say, good. No, well, he didn't have any sins. In our specific passage, he, he, he subtly mentions that 14, 414, since we have a great high priest, number one, he's gone through the heavens. Yeah, but that that's different. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm saying it. It'd be a good question because if if and by I, the way the 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 alternate to that verse has gone into heaven, but they're the same because you know how he got into heaven by going through the heavens. He left yeah. here physically, went through the atmosphere, and they watched him as he disappeared. Well, my point is, if you're going to represent us in heaven, which I believe he does, he does. I mean, that's we talk about First John two. That's the point we of why he's there. He speaks on our defense and all that. That's why I always said that Matthew passage about the the kids who have their their angels before the face of God because I always thought they were safe. Now I know a lot of people disagree with that, but I thought they have representation. Why else why is that there? And by the way, he started off in Hebrews one saying Jesus is superior to the angels, even in that world. So 
then the second thing he says, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way. Here's the next big difference. Yet was without sin. That's the key. Right. So it's not. So people want to quickly jump and say, well, the 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 good thing about having an earthly priest down here is because they know what we're going through because they're sinful. But Jesus knows what we're going through because he was tempted the same way. But he didn't have any sin. I think you just you went up on the list as as more qualified to help us. Well, sleep. here's the way, Jace. Here's the way Paul would put it in First Timothy two five. And notice his wording. Very important. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Now, we also know he is the God, Christ Jesus. But what's the mediator? That's a word? first. It's a first. Last. And then it said, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. So the idea is, is that the man, the the humanity well, of Jesus is our representative. Well, He's think about it. What did a priest do? What was his goal? I mean, what, what was he doing? Offering sacrifices. sacrifices. Uh, for what? The Gifts and sacrifices for sin. For sin. Yeah, for sin. <clears throat> to try to so, make it right. So just look at it logically, because a lot of people said, now what about when y'all talking about Levites and priests, and what does it mean? It gets a little bit I see hard. priests, but look, you see like, okay, there's a God, and there's men slash women. There's humanity. Well, what's the problem with God and humans? He has no sin, and we do. That's it. So what happened? God became a man. It sounds like to me we're building a bridge here. Not we, but God is building yep. a bridge, and you have someone <clears throat> representing God and man. So in essence, a high priest, that's what they're like a go-between. They're like a bridge. They're, uh, but we have the ultimate one in Jesus because he was sinless. He conquered the grave, which he'll get to in chapter, where is that, six or seven. You know, he, he was qualified because based on the fact of an indestructible life. Yeah. So that's the other thing. So when you put your faith and trust in earthly priests, and look, I believe that since we have the Spirit of God, we're acting as priests in a way because God is using us as ambassadors. You're but, just a raggedy-looking priest. Jeff. Yeah, and a flawed man. <laughs> <laughs> but we have that treasure in jars of clay to show that the power is coming from God and not us, which is what's happening. So when, when you know, you could go around and technically say, yeah, I'm a priest because you're, you're meeting people and you're introducing them to the high priest, which is Jesus, and they're putting their faith and trust in him. And so in a way you acted as a go between because Christ is in you, right. which is real church. Almost it, like the like the Apostle Paul said, we become his ambassadors as though he was making his appeal through us. Thank you. That's a better way to lowly human yeah. beings. You're like, how could that be? I think that's the basis for verse 16 when he says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the mm -hmm. throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The reason why you can have confidence, going back to Acts 17, listen to, listen to how um, Jesus is described in Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. It says, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness, and he's going to judge the world in righteousness, this is how he's going to do it, through a man whom he appointed, having uh, furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. In other words, you want to know how God's going to judge the world? He's going to do it through Jesus. So when you read a verse like this in Hebrews, you're like, wait a second. The the one who is who's going behind the curtain and satisfying the wrath of God, like, He's like, he goes behind the curtain. That's Jesus. Well, who, well who's, who's the one that's going to be distributing justice? Jesus. So it's almost like I've heard it described like this. you got Jesus in, on, the, on, the, on the seat of the judge, and then he says to the, to the defendant, which will be us, how, do you, how does your client uh, plead? And then Jesus gets off of, the, off of his podium, and he goes around, and he sits down by us, the client. And he says, my client's not guilty. Then he gets back up and – and he, so he's in both spots. That's why we can be confident because the one who is making the sacrifice on our behalf, the one 
who is going and pleading our case is also the same guy that's going to judge us. So we're we're in a good spot. You know, what I mean, that, 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 that's that's comforting for me to know. It's the only spot. Yeah, because you've you get got, out of here alive. You've got both the prosecutor and the defense on your on your team. Let's take a break. So I want to bring up a historical point here because one of the brilliance, one of the brilliant things that the Hebrew writer does over and over is he's talking about large concepts like law, priesthood, these type of things. But Zach, you made the point earlier. He uses the names of people that have been revered for thousands of years. He uses the name Moses and he uses the name Joshua. Here in chapter five and verse four, he uses the name Aaron, as you mentioned. Now I wanted to say something about Aaron. So the first time he shows up on the scene is when Moses is before the burning bush in Exodus, early Exodus, and God calls him to lead his people out. You remember what Moses' thing was? You know, I can't, I've been out here herding sheep for the last 40 years. I can't even speak. I mean, I can't do this. I can't do what you're asking me to do. And he says, and he says, what about my brother, Aaron? He speaks really well. Why, if he can go with me, I'll do it. So the first time we ever see the brother of Moses, he's kind of like a representative for Moses, right? He's going to articulate everything Moses can. So now fast forward, the people are freed. They're at Mount Sinai. The law's coming down. Moses disappears on the mountain for 40 days. People start getting antsy at the bottom. And look who it is that has no confidence, to your point, Zach, about Jesus and confidence. Here's Aaron, and all the people look to him. They say, we don't know about this Moses guy. We don't know where he is, but tell us what to do. And what does he do in his first moment as a recognized leader? He blew it. I mean, he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Everybody, all the gold and stuff that God gave us when we went out of Egypt, take it and put it in a big pile. We're going to smelt this down and we're going to create a calf to represent what we left. And we're going to bow down and worship that. So my point is, if a guy was that far off, he was the father of the priesthood to show you how difficult it is to have confidence when you're a sinner, (laughs) if you don't have something bigger than yourself. I mean, so just the historical part jumps out at me. It just gets obvious. history. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say in our history, though, you just don't seem, Jesus doesn't seem powerful to the world. You know, when they talk about people following Jesus, they're, they're not, I mean, we're reading this verse and I think subtly, you know, we were talking about the kingdom earlier. We're part of the greatest kingdom that's ever been. Or ever that, will be. And that ever will be and that's <clears throat> eternal. Well, you notice what he did there in verse 12, though. He said, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. Well, how do people rise to great kingdoms? They they did it with swords. Yep. And he subtly is like, this is... This is sharper than that. Yeah. It, it, it's more powerful than, than a sword which or any weapon. That's why you think about that the weapons we fight with are not well, you know, the weapons of the world. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say, well, you, listen to this. Listen to this. You think about this idea of that, the, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. <laughs> There's another reference to a sword like that in, in uh, Revelation 1 uh, when – um, John has a vision of the Son of Man, and he said, which is, by the way, is, is also in the book of Daniel. When we talk about the idea of the coming of the kingdom, what the, here, here's where I think we get off is we forget that it's not primarily about the kingdom, it's primarily about the king. And you can't have the kingdom without the king. And what we're always trying to do is, how can we have the kingdom without the king? And it never works because you have to have the king to have the kingdom. And so that's so weird. About the son. I, I was fixing to say the same thing because <laughs> I think that <laughs> look, Zach. I think that's what their problem was. They had the ritualistic. What's the hardest thing to do in life? Is to go from ritual to a relationship oriented aspect of life. Well, it's the hardest thing to do in marriage too. You get in the habit, whatever yeah. your new normal is. It's hard. You know, people look up and they're like, "What happened? We just lost our way." Well, you got so caught up in the everyday occurrences of of marriage and family that you yeah. lost the key pieces with, which is the actual people like, and sharing your hearts and thoughts. And cause that's why he said nothing is hidden. It judges the attitudes 
of the heart. I mean, that's what God's interested in. Not not what you you can fake a ritual, but you can't fake God and what you really believe and what you're really passionate about, which is should be the king, is what I was. Yeah, because it all comes into it all comes into like this this focal point. Yeah, you know, I, I view the whole thing as almost like a a target that all these writers that have wrote, wrote, wrote these scriptures here and they're just throwing darts at a dartboard and they just, I mean, they're all coming from different angles and different places, but they keep hitting the same spot right in the dead center of the board. And it, it, that, that center is the person of Jesus. And so you think a, do, a double-edged sword, listen to this and, and, and what John saw, he said, well, he heard the noise behind him. He said, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like uh, burnished bronze when it, when it has been made to glow in the furnace, and his voice was the sound of many waters. And in his right hand, he, had, he held out seven stars, and listen to this, and just think about what you would do if you saw this person. Out of his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. So you had mentioned John 1, 1, that in the beginning it was the Word, the Logos, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Then you have coming out of the mouth of, of Jesus, this double-edged sword. Then you have that here in Hebrews 4, that the that the word is is sharper than any double edged sword, and you start to get the idea that how often when we approach uh, the the reality in a way where we're at the center of it, it it's 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 not going to work, and and I think that we even do this in religion because we take Jesus and we reduce Jesus to what I've heard called the cosmic bellhop in the sky where he's there to help us and give us therapy, and it's like this therapeutic age that we live in, and he's there to help our self-esteem and help our brokenness. But we need to remember that this is the Jesus, according to Acts 17, that's going to judge the world. According to Revelation chapter 1, He is a he's not to be trifled with. And I think yep. that's what the case that we're seeing here being played out in Hebrews is whatever your view of Jesus is, you need we need to elevate it whatever it is we need to elevate our view of jesus which is <clears throat> becomes the whole point let's take our last break yeah because he did say i mean he goes on to say he helps us in our weakness and you know he's but he's also with that aspect he's more powerful and you're not gonna you know this why would he put that in there about he judges the thoughts you know nothing that and all creation is covered up. I mean, he sees everything. Well, why is he saying that? Because we know why he's saying it. Because what do humans, what are they the best at? Covering up, lying, faking. <laughs> you know, it's just the what. It's how our world revolves around them. If you do something, you try to get away with it. And if you get caught, you lie about it. And that's just the way human nature is. And, you know, he does a very interesting thing here because he compares the calling of Aaron to the calling of Christ. He, he says in verse four, no one takes this honor. In other words, to become a high priest upon himself, he must be called by God just as Aaron was. So this idea, and I described to you how Aaron's calling happened. I mean, it wasn't like he planned it. He just happened to be the brother of the guy who yep. was talked to directly by God. So what's interesting is when you look at this history of that, think about the Jewish mindset in the first century, because that's who we're talking to. They're looking back at 2,000 years of history of the Levitical priesthood. And by the way, that all happened before Aaron, because Joseph went into Egypt, and it was just him and his family. There were 70 of them. It happened to be his brothers that would become the 12 tribes that would later become the leadership of Israel. One of those tribes was his brother, Levi. Now, Levi was dead. By the time they get into the promised land, Aaron is dead. But God says, here's the way I want you to do it. I want you to set aside one tribe that's going to be nothing but the priesthood, and it's going to be the tribe of Aaron and Moses, Levi. So now you look 2,000 years down the road, that's all they've ever known is the priesthood. Now he goes back and says, look, it wasn't up to Aaron. It was up to me. I called him to do what he did. And we know he failed spectacularly in the moment. 
But the idea of God helping and having a relationship with man was the key. So then he shifts it to Jesus. Look what he says in verse five, Hebrews five, five. So Christ also did not take it upon himself, the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, the father, you are my son today. I become your father. And he said in another place, and he's going to introduce a name we're going to talk about later. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek and his, and his throne is called throne of grace. That's it. Not works. Exactly. Well, give the quick review on Melchizedek. Yeah, let me give you this. Let me read the rest of this, then I'll talk about it because we're probably going to have to go into overtime. I'll I'll read down to verse 10 because he's going to describe this idea of why Jesus is like Melchizedek, and then I'll tell you a little bit about it. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Now, this is a picture of Jesus that makes us uncomfortable. Jesus is like talking about the chosen. We don't like the idea that Jesus at the moment of this sacrifice was saying, are we sure this is it? Because this is going to be painful. Although he was the son, verse 8, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, meaning complete, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest again in the order of Melchizedek. So first of all, we see that Jesus's ultimate sacrifice came because he was willing to become one of us and do it. But it wasn't easy. It was well, very difficult for that to happen. I want to say this, because to Zach's point, you know, he quotes Hebrews Five, uh, where's that at? Five, where he said, you're my son today, I've become your father. Yep. Well, that doesn't seem like a real scary verse. That's like, well, that's a relationship aspect. Well, when you read Psalms 2, yeah. listen to this. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say. Verse 4 of Psalm 2, the one enthroned in heaven laughs, the Lord scoffs, then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them. Verse 6, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. Well, who do you think he's talking about? Hmm. Verse 7, he said, you are my son, today I become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. Verse 10, therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned. Verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. (laughs) And I think that's what we're trying to describe here is that God is for us, not against us. And he became a man. And so then you read something that seems to fly in the face of it. Like in Hebrews 5, 7, he's like, he was crying, and he had tears. He was crying out, and he had, he had tears. He learned so, obedience. Yeah, he I learned. Mean, so people are like, Whoa. and that's why I think you have all this controversy about how how to to show Jesus, portray or, him. yeah, right. portray. But it comes back to that him being the ultimate high priest because he is God, that's right. and he did become a man. He I did. mean, John one is all that powerful. Uh, verbiage about all his creation and his power and he's the source of life and in him there's light and there's no darkness and then he gets to the end he's like and he became flesh yeah he became a human and then it says he explained god in human form so i think the most powerful thing you can realize is he is a human he did have emotions i mean there's no doubt about that when you read this oh yeah and that makes people uncomfortable and i've read this verse thousands of times yep. to people who think that you have to go into a building and be dead and inactive in order to be reverent. Right. And this is the exact opposite of reverence here. He was crying out. I like being in places when we're together and worshiping and there's people crying out. I like that. Yeah. Cause I, I'm like, I know somebody else who did that. Yeah. And, and the point is, Jay's he's showing the similarity. We always point out quickly the differences between the high priest. The Hebrew writer is showing the similarities. He's saying, look, he suffered. He he learned what it's like to be a human being. He went to the point of knowing he was going to have a terrible, torturous execution 
just like we all would. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but one thing is I know I'm going to die. But when I know I'm going to die in a terrible way and people are going to torture me up to the point of my death, you got to get your mind wrapped around that uh, one. I, I yeah. read it and I end up by saying, I don't think I could handle that. <laughs> exact most of us. You we, see the line though. He's he's going down that line of like that psalm passage. He's like you you kiss him because you don't make him mad. Right. But I think that it's nothing wrong with being motivated by that. The power of God. I mean, because he what what? How is he trying to motivate you? Saying that he knows the thoughts and attitudes of the fear of, of God heart. is the beginning of wisdom. Well, yeah. Since <laughs> you're yeah. I mean that, that he he's going to get to that since you're you're receiving this kingdom that can't be shaken. You know shaken that you sh- you might should do a little trembling and be confident i mean it you're walking all those lines and i think those are helpful lines and another uncomfortable phrase that people have in this same text we're talking about is that idea about once he was made perfect but the only idea because we said well i thought he was perfect the whole time he he was and is but what he's talking about is his death is what then completed the process exactly that's why i yeah. said it is finished I mean, now well, all that's what things he, that's have what been he said. That's what uh, Jesus said before he was crucified. He said, "Father, the time is is come. Glorify your right. Son in the in, uh, with the glory I have with you before the world began." So, yep. you know, it's a restoration well, of kind of Jesus's position when, at the resurrection. But you know, uh, as Jace was talking about this, I was I'm just reminded of the. Do you see the gospel all in this? Because yeah. there is this like. Um, identity connection that the Hebrew writer is giving us here, but like, like the, the world of Christ is like us, but there's also this other thing that's like this great exaltation of Christ. And he said, man, well, it's kind of a weird tension that we're trying to hold. He's so much better than anything, but yet he's also can identify with you. That's like, exactly but right. but if, if we get off on the, on the greatness of God, I think the point that he's making here is, is that if he's just like Aaron, I mean, it's just not that great. You know no. what I mean? Yeah, Aaron can identify with us, but man, he's just not big enough to do anything. That's right. And that's why we have to see this elevation of who God is. He's got to be greater. So look, we're out of time, but but in the overtime, I want to go to Psalm 110, Jace, like you did, and this idea about Melchizedek and set up a little bit because we're going to spend a little bit more time when we get to chapter 7. But this whole section is about this idea of priesthood. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, remember, it's uh, blazetv.com slash unashamed to pick up our overtime. So we'd like for you to come over and join us. We'll kind of set up that concept. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.